Setting the record straight about a commonly held misconception, here is Pastor Ed Taylor. That's your deal, man. You're the pastor, you're the evangelist, you preach it, brother. I will. <laughs> but I'm also going to encourage you to preach it, brother, and to give your life over wholly to the things of the Lord. Why aren't you? Why aren't you just sold out? Why some listening to my voice, you look just like the world. You sound like the world. If we put you up with somebody that was a rank unbeliever, we wouldn't even be able to tell the difference. Why? I mean, is that satisfying to you? The misery, the heartache, you okay with it? You're comfortable with it? You're a debtor. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You An ancient philosopher said, it's not for ourselves that we are born. And the same is true for those who are born again. We owe a great debt. But how is it to be paid? We'll find out today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Welcome and glad you joined us. We're making our way through the book of Romans and we come to chapter 13 where we discover a debt we owe. Here to tell us about it is Pastor Ed. Romans 13, verse 8, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, verse 9, You shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. If there's any other commandment, they're all summed up in this saying, namely, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. I'm sure you've seen these bumper stickers. They start out, I owe, I owe, so it's... Oh, yeah, yeah, you have them on your cars, don't you? You know. Oh, yeah, I owe, I owe, it's off to work, I go. And as human beings, we owe a lot of people a lot of things. There is, in our society, lending and borrowing, and so we have been put in a place many times to owe a lot of people a lot of things. Now, of course, the biggest bondage in relationship to lending and borrowing is to get in over your head with credit card debt on things you didn't really need, that things that you really don't have anymore, but you're left with the bill. And in our society, that's a big problem for the church, for Christians. I'm not talking about emergencies and things that happen that are, are out of the ordinary. I'm talking about this consumer-oriented attitude that has been entrenched in us at a very young age to just buy, buy, buy. And if you don't have the money, don't worry about it. We'll give you the money and charge you 5,000% interest. You'll be paying it off the rest of your life. And it's a bondage. It's a bondage in churches. It's a bondage in Christians' lives. You know, to get into that kind of debt, it really straps families. It hinders the work of the church. It saps precious resources from the outreach and the ministry of churches. Churches suffer all over. And we suffer as well. We suffer from believers that, because of bad decisions that they've made, don't give to the Lord. And it's not right. And it's important for us to get out from under that. That God would deliver us from this kind of debt that gets us over our heads. Verse 8 in Romans 13 speaks of what we owe people. 
We've already learned that we owe our government taxes. Remember verse 6 of Romans 13? For because of this you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. And we're like, yeah, yes they do. Render, therefore, to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. We're supposed to pay what we owe to the government. And they don't mess around, right? They just take it. They don't wait. They just take it. That's not how God is. He doesn't dig into your pocket. He expects us to give freely. He doesn't take it first. He expects us to give it first unlike the government, but we're to pay our taxes, we're to pay honor to those whom honor is due, we're to pay our customs, make sure we go out of the country, we go somewhere, we need to declare everything that we're bringing back, we need to pay our customs. And even though we may not agree with all that's being done with the money we pay in taxes, we can't violate God's command. We're to give and to render, therefore, to that which is due. And, you know, looking back at Romans, you can flip back to chapter 1, this isn't the first time that Paul has mentioned being a debtor. The topic of debt has actually come up a couple times in his study in Romans, and one of them is right there in chapter 1. From government, now, Paul is going to expand the circle for us outside of government by including other people that we owe. And he's going to speak of two different debts here in these verses. Debts that, number one, can be fully paid in the realm of finances. Our financial debts can be fully repaid. And then he's going to speak of the kind of debt that really can't ever be fully repaid, and that's the debt of Christian love toward one another. So you have debts that can be repaid, debts that cannot really be ever fully repaid. And it's not the first time that Paul's talked about it. Notice verse 14 of chapter 1. Paul says, For I am a debtor. You might just want to circle that word. I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. You can circle the word debtor, and you can also circle the phrase preach the gospel and draw a little line between them, because that's what he's saying. He's saying, I am a debtor to humanity to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. For all that God has done in my life, I now see myself as a debtor. And my debt is to preach the gospel to anyone and everyone I come in contact with. It's a powerful way to look at evangelism. You know by now, those of you that call Calvary Aurora your home, this is your spiritual family, you know that evangelism is the heartbeat of our church. That's why we exist. There's no other reason why we are breathing today than other to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And of course, as you preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, there's all sorts of practical things that are being done, all sorts of ministry being done, all sorts of outreach, but it flows from a heart for the lost. And I don't know if you've ever looked at it this way before, but like Paul says, we're debtors. For all that God has done in our life, we view now preaching the gospel, we are a debtor to society to tell them, that their sins, to tell you that your sins can be forgiven. You place your faith in Jesus Christ, the risen Savior. We're a debtor to those that will listen. This debt is the heartbeat of our church. I know we've summarized the vision, the heartbeat of our church in just one word. The vision of our church is evangelism. And then we expanded that a little bit, right? And we look now at our life, and our life matters in seeing a person one to Jesus Christ to seeing a person won over by his love, and they get saved by a sovereign work of God. And then that person that's saved, now we have a responsibility to disciple them, to build them up, to teach them, to help them. That's our commitment to you, to see you grow in the things of the Lord. 
But as you're won over to Jesus Christ, he saves your soul and then you're discipled. Now the very next step is to prepare you to be sent out. Some of you have a global mission. You're going to be global missionaries. Some of you, every single week, you are sent out into the world. You're sent out into your workplace. You're sent out into your neighborhood. You're sent out into your family. Every single day that God gives us breath, we are sent out with the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, when we're praying about ministry here, when we're praying about new direction, new outreach, new whatever, any type of thing that comes through the ministry here, we pray and we ask God and we ask this question, how will this help someone come to faith in Jesus Christ? How will this event, how will this ministry, how will this Bible study, how will this small group, how will it help win a person to Jesus Christ? And then we ask the next question. How will this event, how will this ministry, how will this outreach, how will this small group help someone be discipled in Jesus Christ? And then we ask the question, how will this ministry, how will this outreach, how will this new idea help someone be sent out for Jesus Christ? And you know what? If we can't answer those questions, then we ask the next question, what are we doing it for? What's the purpose? That, my friends, is how churches become social clubs. So, well, we're doing it because we need people to get to come together and we're doing it because we got this group that wants to get together and we're doing it. No, no, no. What we do in the flow of our ministry here has to flow into that stream of evangelism because you know Jesus Christ came to this earth out of a love for the lost. That's why he died. That's why he rose again the third day. It's why he lived. That's why he's alive today to draw you into a relationship with him. There's no other reason. There's only two eternal things on the earth today. The souls of men and the word of God. And those two need to get all of our attention. Everything else flows from that. And God is faithful. I want you to see something in Acts chapter 1. So flip over there. Would you? Acts chapter 1. When we ask these questions, I want you to see that God, he has given you of his spirit to become a witness of him. And I love this promise in Acts chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 4. It's the promise of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus tells this group of disciples after his resurrection, he says, I want you to wait in Jerusalem. Well, let's pick up in verse 4. He says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You've heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You're going to receive a baptism experience with the Holy Spirit, he says. You're going to receive the Holy Spirit. He's going to come upon you. It's going to be awesome. Wait in Jerusalem. Don't leave without it. Even as we as Christians, we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need his work, his strength, his wisdom. But you know what happens? We are easily distracted. We are easily diverted from evangelism. I know one thing that's been coming up more and more is people losing their jobs. And what happens is, is you become very fearful and very fretful when you don't have work. I know it's a natural response. I've been there myself. I understand it. But it's a distraction, friends. Because you know what? God's going to provide for your needs. He's going to take care of you. You're going to find a job. You're going to have the resources. God will show himself faithful on your behalf. He will be your provider. He'll take care of you. But I'll tell you what, you get caught up in it. You get easily stumbled by it. You begin to get caught up in anxiety and fears. And they start to envelop you. And you wonder, I don't even want to share the gospel, man. I don't even have a job. I don't know where I'm going to live. I don't know how I'm going to feed my... Share the gospel. Yeah, you know, looking for work has so consumed you 
good. But you know, when you're out looking for work, that is evangelism. You're going to meet a lot of people, aren't you? You're going to be able to share with folks. You're going to be able to sell your story. You're going to be able to see God wants to use you. He's going to provide it. And I've just seen that recently. It has become a big distraction in many people's lives. And I'm just here to say, on behalf of God, he's going to provide for you. He's going to take care of you. You know, it may not be the job that you want. It may not be the hours that you want. It may not be all the money that you want. But God's going to provide. And you just keep knocking. And you keep seeking. And you keep your heart in tune with the Lord. God, I want to be a vessel of evangelism. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to sustain you. To walk with you so you remember you're a witness of him. And so the temporal things can easily distract us. Just like it does in verse 6. Notice, it says, Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? I mean, they're so stuck on the here and now. Remember, they expected a political Messiah. They expected the Messiah to take over Rome. They wanted to rule right now. And that's still on their minds. Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to hook you up with the power of the Holy Spirit. And all they can think about, but are you going to rule? Are you still going to rule? Are we still going to get the thrones and not be in a city at right hand? Are you still going to rule? And, and I love it. Jesus says, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. Or we could paraphrase it. None of your business, man. You're thinking about the wrong thing. It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father's put in his authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So we have a responsibility, church, to be faithful witnesses in Jerusalem. Now, to the disciples, Jerusalem spoke of home base. It spoke of home. Even as Jerusalem would speak to us of our city, of Aurora, our fellowship family has been gathered together right here in Aurora. That's our home base. Now, I know you come from many different cities, and that becomes your home base. But for us as a fellowship family, Aurora is our home base. That's, we need to be faithful witnesses right here in our city. But even more so, Jerusalem speaks of being faithful witnesses, reminds us that ministry really begins at home, church. Your home, your marriage, your kids, your life. Jerusalem speaks of our ministry here in the city, but it also speaks to our homes. Judgment begins where? In the house of the Lord. Your life, my life, in order. Walking strong in the power of the Spirit. And we have a responsibility to be faithful here in our Jerusalem. But then notice, now the circle is expanded. Now, not only in Jerusalem, but in all Judea and Samaria. And if you take out a Bible map, you'll notice these are large geographic areas surrounding Jerusalem. And so the gospel wasn't just to stick around in that one area. Now it widens. And Judea and Samaria speaks to us of our surrounding areas, the metro area, north, south, east, west, mountains to the plains, the metro area, the state, even the United States, Judea, Samaria, our church, our ministry, our lives, ministering the gospel. Not in any competition with each other or any other church. We cooperate with other like-minded churches. Not any competition. We just want to see people get saved. And rooted in some church that's going to love them and take care of them. That's our desire. Our desire is just to see people built up in the Lord. So people get saved. You know their family's going to follow. You know their kids are going to follow. And you know, none of this, we're not in competition with anybody. We're just going to focus on the Lord. That's all that matters. Keep our eyes firmly fixed on him. We're debtors to this world to share the love of Jesus. 
Because it's not only Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, but then notice at the end he says, and also to the end of the earth. This is global missions. It's not enough, church, to be that little church on the corner. And we happen to have a corner, don't we? So there we are. We're the little church on the corner. And we get out a map and we draw a circle around all the neighborhoods around our church. And that's it. We're just going to settle in. We got our corner. We got our little corner church. Listen, there is not a church on the corner of Hampton and Biscay. There's a building there, but there's not a church. You are the church. And you gather together. We come to this building. It houses the church. It's just a building. It's a, it's a place where we get to send people out. It's like a place where you get to be built up in the things of the Lord. It's a building. That's all it is. It's just a building. We never want to get caught up in some plot of land, some, some dirt clods and rocks and, and, and some building. This building is purely here to be used for the glory of God. And that's it. Otherwise, what's the use? Why have a building? And you don't want to get caught up. And, well, we got that little church on the corner. We're doing well. God's called us to go out, and you're going to go out in just a few minutes. You're going to go out into the world. And God has called us to be ministers and witnesses in our homes, in our neighborhoods, at work, at at the stores, at school, with your friends, with your families, with your in-laws, with your outlaws, all of them. All of them. Global missions. Our church, your fellowship family, literally reaches around the world has a global impact. You do. You have a global impact. I don't know if you notice that, you recognize that, but you and I, we have a global impact. We not only have people that have left our church, we got Katie over in Thailand, we got Barb and Denny in Turkey. We have people praying about leaving and going to another country. And you know, the cool thing about that is like Barb and Denny, for example, they were, one of, they were our first missionaries we sent out very early in the church, very young. They head out to Turkey, and now that they're in Turkey and they've been there for many years, you know what? Turkey becomes their Jerusalem. It starts all over. They need to be faithful right there in Jerusalem. And then the surrounding areas of the city that they're in, Marmaris there, now becomes their Judea and Samaria. And I know that one day they're praying that they send out Turkish missionaries from their ministry there to go out and start all over again. Just like when you get saved, there's a new Jerusalem right there where you live, where you work. And then you have a new Judea and and then it continues on because that's the work of the Holy Spirit. You never want to get settled down with, well, I'm satisfied. There's There's something to be said about a spiritual discontentment with all the lost people around us. And like, well, you know, I'm satisfied and, you know, I met my quota. Five people got saved through my life. No, 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 there's no quota. It's just like, give the gospel. You're a debtor. I'm a debtor to share the gospel. That's why I live. That's why I breathe. Not because I'm a pastor, because I'm a believer. I was a believer before I had the role of pastor. And we're all believers. And so go, oh, you know, pastor, that's your deal, man. You're the pastor. You're the evangelist. You preach it, brother. I will. (laughs) But I'm also going to encourage you to preach it, brother. And to give your life over wholly to the things of the Lord. Why aren't you? Why aren't you just sold out? Why some listening to my voice, you look just like the world. You sound like the world. If we put you up with somebody that was a rank unbeliever, we wouldn't even be able to tell the difference. Why? I mean, is that satisfying to you? Are you, is it working for you? The misery, the heartache, the the flesh? You okay with it? You're comfortable with it? You're a debtor, church. You're a debtor to the Greeks, the barbarians. You're a debtor. Like Paul, when he said the Greeks and barbarians, he was talking about the Gentiles. He was talking about all those in Rome. He says, I'm going to preach the gospel to you because of all that God has done in my life, man, I, I have nothing else to do. And you know, Paul worked too. 
Sometimes we, we think of Paul as some superhuman, but he was a tent maker. He had a job. And he used his job for the ministry. He lived in the world just like you and I do. And as he lived in the world, his heart burned with the gospel. And to see evangelism, to pray for our missionaries that have gone out and created new Jerusalems, new Judea Samarias. It's a powerful, powerful, powerful way of looking at missions. And you need the power of the Spirit to do that. Flip over to Romans chapter 8 now, verse 12. There's another time that Paul talked about being a debtor. It's not the first time. In chapter 8, he also mentioned being a debtor. And he talks about and he teaches us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that we're not to be debtors to the flesh. Romans chapter 8, verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors. Okay, Paul, debtors to what? Well, first he says what we're not debtors to. He says we're not debtors not to the flesh. We're debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. You know what? You owe your flesh nothing. Zero. As a matter of fact, that time of prayer and fasting that you enjoyed, that should be a continual thing in your life. It shouldn't just be an event. You should be constantly reminding yourself and your flesh that the Spirit of God rules in your life, not the flesh. You don't owe your flesh anything. And the more you feed your flesh, the stronger it gets. The more you feed that area of your flesh, the weaker you become in the Spirit. And so he says, I'm, we're debtors, but not to the flesh. Because if you live according to the flesh, verse 13, you'll die. Did you hear that, church? That's the sentence of living in the flesh. You're going to die. Even if you don't die physically, spiritually, you're going to shrivel up. And then what's going to happen? What happened to you? Well, you're probably living according to the flesh. So if you do that, you're going to die. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you'll live. And that time you committed to prayer and fasting, you, that was life, man. That was life. I know it probably hurt. <laughs> I know it probably frustrated you. You probably had these intense, crazy headaches like you've never had before. And that's all your body's saying, don't you do this to me. Don't you do this to me. Why are you doing this to me? Feed me. Take care of me. Nurture me. Help me. And you know what? As you said no to the flesh, you enabled yourself to say yes to the Spirit. And that's where life comes. So back in Romans 13 now, verse 8. Paul talks about two types of debts, one that can be fully repaid, and that is relatable to financial obligations. Or, you know, there's a debt. You borrow something from your neighbor, this is a debt you can repay. Take it back to them. I hope your garage isn't filled with things you've borrowed. Give them back. Take them back. Be a good witness. This is a debt you can repay. I can repay. The original language in verse 8, owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. The original language reflects the idea that Paul is saying, don't keep owing anyone anything. The essence is when the payment comes due, pay it. And if you can pay more and extra to get out of debt, then do it. Don't prolong it. Don't keep it going. Don't keep adding to it. Don't Try to put it off. Don't try to get out from under your obligations. You see, if we fail to meet our financial obligations, then we are sinning according to this command. Romans 13, verse 8. We'll hear more about this next time when Pastor Ed Taylor returns to Abounding Grace. In the meantime, we trust you're up for the challenge to pay your debts, both financially and spiritually. Trusting God will provide and bless your obedience. 
Would you like to hear today's message again? You can listen online 24-7 at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to go is to download our church app and Grace FM Colorado app. Do a search for Calvary Aurora. You'll find Abounding Grace right there, as well as many other helpful resources. Hey, are you looking for some good summertime reading? If you're like me and like to pull out a good book to read on vacation, we'd like to recommend Love, The More Excellent Way. In the late 1960s, an entire generation was searching for love. Maybe you've been on your own quest to find it. This encouraging and practical book by Chuck Smith will show you what real love is and how to discover it. You'll learn about God's love for us and our love for God in response. Request a copy today when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more by calling 877-30-GRACE. We can't thank you enough for your support. God is doing a wonderful work through the radio these days, and you can be a part of it. Call toll-free 877-30-GRACE or go online to aboundinggraceradio.com. Com. And please set aside another half hour to join us tomorrow for Abounding Grace when Pastor Ed Taylor digs deeper into the book of Romans to mine its treasures. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.